Welcome to the only show about the workplace that offers you front row seats and a microphone, bringing you practical, timely, and accurate insights so that you can more effectively lead your organization. It's Thursday, March 16th, episode 222. Today, we welcome back keynote closer Jack Becker, a combat-proven FA-18 Super Hornet fighter pilot who is not responsible for rear-ending the U.S. drone over the Black Sea as a primer to his upcoming appearance at AIM's 9th Annual Leadership Conference. Jack will get us strapped in with shades on as we head towards supersonic success at work. And as always, we encourage you to get involved in the show. So speak up, take the poll, and ask your questions now. All this and more on This Week at Work. All right, great to have all of you with us once again. As always, Bert is by my side, wingman Bert Garland. How are you doing today, Bert? I'm doing well, Phil. Happy to be your wingman anytime. All right. You like how I kind of build that into the program since we got Jack Becker uh, on the program, you know, decorated combat fighter pilot, um, wingman. I mean, I'm pretty clever here this morning. All right, let's get going. Bert, uh, quick question. While this new uh, news and noise about banks collapsing, any concerns that you had? Uh, you have more than 250000 with them. You only deal in cash. Where, where do you stand on this uh, as you um, are hearing all this news? Well, and not, now, with, with, now without boys, commenting. careful. Wait, 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 wait. Who, who is that? Is that Monique? What are you doing back here again? Bert, before you answer that question with something like, I only deal in dollar bills, or FDIC stands for, for a dollar I can, Use caution on this topic. Everybody, it's our old friend, our artificial intelligence friend, Monique. And Monique, I appreciate your concern, but I wasn't going to say anything like that. I have search engine crawler friends who are casing the joint looking for conversations that may lead to further runs on banking institutions. All right, I, I think that's enough. Thank you, Monique. We'll, we'll just continue to move on. Phil? Uh, all right. Don't Thank say you, I didn't Monique. warn yet. <laughs> Goodbye, Monique. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, I don't know that we can stop her from breaking in with her artificial intelligence, but uh, we appreciate Monique keeping us in line. All right, let's move on. We are excited to welcome back Jack Becker. Um, he has a fantastic message. He is going to be our keynote speaker at our ninth annual leadership conference. Uh, he's already been on the program once, so this is his flyby. All right, how about that? Wingman, flyby. Jack, if I'm missing anything here, you're going to have to let me know, but we're going to get to Jack in a minute. Let's queue up the poll question. Uh, so we're going to have a little bit of fun with this first question. It's going to be a word cloud question, so you just type in your answer, um, and we'll put them all together for you. Here's the first question. When you hear process improvement, what is the first word that comes to mind? So you just type it in and we will do the rest of the work with a little bit of artificial intelligence. Uh, and then our second question is, what obstacles have you faced when implementing process improvement in the past? Uh, and we have a series of options for you to select from. And as always, we appreciate your comments because that helps the conversation along. We're gonna invite Jack to comment on some of the responses that we get as well. But first, we're going to move to lawyer on the clock. Nick? All right, it's time to look into what's trending in employment law 
Lawyer, you're on the clock. All right, so as usual, we've got a lot going on, and we're going to start out west with our favorite state of California, the Republic of California, uh, keeping our eye on things out there. There's been, as everybody knows who's been listening to the program, a long-running uh, dispute uh, between Uber and other gig economy companies to treat the California drivers as independent contractors out there. And I think at this point, the there's a case that's going to be headed to the uh, California State Supreme Court, uh, despite a recent significant legal win for the, the gig economy technology companies uh, at the state appellate court. There was a divided ruling handed down Monday that largely backed a voter approved initiative that a coalition of gig companies had really supported that really sets the stage for another round of judicial review that will determine the job status of hundreds of thousands of California app-based drivers. The high stakes fight over the measure, which is known as Proposition 22, has really has some significant financial implications for gig companies because classifying drivers who transport passengers and deliver food as employees would put them on the hook, would put the companies on the hook for millions in unpaid wages, taxes, and other benefits for drivers, and really upend the gig economy's entire business model. So uh, why am I talking about this? Again, happening out in California, and we're here mainly in Missouri, Illinois, and Indiana. Well, because uh, remember I told you about two, two and a half weeks ago, President Biden nominated Julie Sue for the Secretary of the Department of Labor. Julie Sue previously was the Labor Secretary for the state of California, where she worked closely with unions uh, and other uh, pro-employee groups. And one of the targets was the gig economy uh, or, or workers, the gig economy workers. And she was really going after the gig economy workers out there in this court decision, uh, upholding uh, the ban uh, that was that was Proposition 22, uh, which allows the gig economy companies to continue classifying their workers as gig employees, as independent contractors. Uh, I think that you're going to see that fight uh, giving some guidance as to what may be happening on a national level. Uh, so as always, we keep our eye on what's going out on the in the uh, Republic of California out there to see what may be impacting us here in the Midwest. So, Bert, um, any in this process, so I get I get the government's position, they want more taxes, right? I get the union's position and what they're doing. Are we hearing anything at all in any of the uh, information you're running across, because I'm not hearing it, where the gig employee or the gig worker is complaining, unhappy, wants it to be different? Um, I mean, that's kind of why they like what they're doing is the flexibility and freedom to work as they choose, when they choose. As with anything else in this country these days, Phil, some like it and some don't. Some right, would well, rather have employee benefits and paid overtime. Um, I think it's gonna be one of those situations, kind of be careful what you wish for. Uh, there are a lot of people who work for gig economy uh, companies that uh, again, would want those benefits and those protections under law. And a lot of those uh, people happen to be bankrolled by special interest groups who are looking for the right case to take up uh, to the court systems to try to establish that they are employees 
and not employer, uh, not independent contractors. Okay. Well, we'll be careful what we say because we know Monique is listening and always going to correct us. Uh, so we're being careful here, Monique, and we're walking the middle line. All so, right. So, so why, why encourage her? Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I, seriously, just, just quit. All right. <laughs> all right. Moving on, lawyer. All right. So another one I've got for you is paid time off. This is a decision out of the third circuit. We are in the eighth circuit court of appeals over here in Missouri. Uh, Illinois is in Indiana are in the seventh circuit court of appeals. This was a decision out of the third circuit court of appeals where the court decided in an issue of what they called uh, an issue of first impression that uh, the term salary is used in the FLSA does not include fringe benefits like PTO. And the significance in this case is, is that an employer had docked an employee's accrued paid time off for failing to meet productivity targets. And the court said that is legal, legal, not, uh, did you notice I did not say that illegal. That surprised me. Is, that it is legal yeah. because PTO is, is not part of an employee's salary under the Fair Labor Standards Act. So we all know we've been talking about the FLSA a lot on the program the last few weeks. We all know that there are limitations on an employer's ability to dock the salary of an employee of a exempt employee salary because if they do that they could jeopardize the exemption and the employee could be reclassified as a non-exempt employee meaning that the employee would be entitled to minimum wage and overtime uh the fair the the third circuit here again i want to make it very clear saying that an employer is allowed to dock the pto because that is not part of the employee's salary all right. Well, that's going to be an interesting ruling. I got a bunch of questions that come to mind. Um, we'll save those questions for the another for another day. But let me queue them up for you. Right? Questions like: Are we talking about what if it's accrued? It's on the books um, and it's owed to me by policy. Um, and I know you're going to talk about the Illinois law, and you're going to tell us about their mandatory time off. And is is this the same or different? And maybe you can answer that one a little bit. But I'm sure our listeners are going to have questions centered around this one. Yep. So so let's move on. You mentioned the Illinois law. We talked about this on the program previously after the Illinois legislature passed it a couple months ago. But yesterday. Uh, right across the river from us, Phil, Governor Pritzker signed into law the Illinois Paid Leave for All Workers Act, which will allow most Illinois employees up to 40 hours of paid leave per year for any purpose. This will start on January 1, 2024. So we've got a year or really about nine months to get prepared for this. Almost all private employers under Illinois law are under this Illinois law are considered to be employers under this act and will have to comply with it. School district and park districts are generally excluded from it. Almost all employees working for these private employers are considered to be uh, employees covered by this act. There's some exclusions for part-time students, workers at a college or university, short-term employees of an institution of uh, higher education and a few other exclusions. But by and large, every Illinois employee is going to be uh, uh, subject to this law. And under this law, employees accrue one hour of paid leave for every 40 hours work and up to 40 hours of paid leave in a 12-month period or a pro rata amount for part-time employees. 
Uh, and the first 12 month accrual period begins next January 1, 2024. And the meat of the law really is this, employees can begin taking paid leave 90 days after hire or on March 31, 2024, whichever is later. Paid leave may be taken for by an employee for any reason of the employee's choosing. And then here's also an important one. Employees do not need to provide their employer with a reason for the leave and cannot be required to provide documentation supporting the need for leave. The employee can choose paid leave prior to using other forms of leave provided by their employer or required by law. And the employer can designate a minimum increment for use of the leave so long as the minimum increment does not exceed two hours. And so what this looks like to me is a free for all for 40 hours uh, that can be used intermittently by employees, uh, largely without notice. The employer can institute reasonable notice uh, requirements for employees seeking to take the leave if it's foreseeable. If the leave is not foreseeable, the employer can require the employee to provide notice as soon as practicable. Again, I see this as being one week of free-for-all intermittent uh, FMLA need without the need to support it. So Illinois employers, uh, good luck trying to manage this one. We will be here to guide you through this. Absolutely. Um, well, it, stay tuned. I'm, some people would say, Bert, this is all just continuous improvement. You know, these are just these are just things of continuous improvement and don't fight it, embrace it. Yes, exactly. Some some would say that, Phil. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anything else, lawyer? Yeah, I've got one more for you that uh, there was a, a court in North Carolina that upheld an employee's termination uh, because she failed the drug test. Now, interestingly, we've been talking a lot about drugs on this program in light of Missouri's new uh, relatively new uh, recreational marijuana law. And of course, everybody who knows that who's been watching this program and who attended our great program we did with officer Tyler Jenkins on, uh, on the Missouri, on the new Missouri law knows that I am still recommending that in addition to a positive drug test that we look for what are called the indicia of impairment or indicators of impairment. Once we see those indicators of impairment, then we should go ahead and still send the employee for a drug test, uh, even though the drug test is not necessarily going to show current impairment. I think the positive drug test with the indicia of impairment will help employers uh, defend a claim of termination if that's the route they, they take. In North Carolina, the court held that the presence of uh, chemicals in somebody's system uh, who, who admitted to taking CDB oil for what she called the disability uh, was, was not a valid reason to exclude her, uh, to, to overturn her termination. The court concluded a couple of significant things there that her disclosing that she took CDB oil for a health condition did not make her a, a disabled under the Americans with Disabilities Act. And also very importantly, that the drug test, the positive drug test, uh, was was uh, upheld because she she uh, failed a legitimate uh, non-discriminatory reason for employers trying to keep their workplace safe. Yeah. Now I will tell you that North Carolina, as we've looked at the Ogletree State map maps before, 
that uh, North Carolina does not have a recreational or medical marijuana law. So this decision, while it does have some implications for us here uh, in Missouri, uh, is not the end all and be all of it. I still think that employers really need to focus on those indicia of impairment. Yeah, absolutely. And those um, programs are several programs on the AIM University website. Uh, if you missed those programs that you can um, purchase on demand, <laughs> as well as we have an investigation program coming up at the end of this month that Bert and I will be performing. And we will cover uh, investigating um, impairment in the workplace and providing some good resources for that as well. And you can find that online at uh, on the AIM website. All right, uh, Bert, I'm going to give you a chance to take a look at uh, a couple of these comments coming in, uh, particularly from Dave Forsey. Um, I don't know if you can, uh, he's asking, you know, will this uh, apply to your typical uh, existing vacation PTO plans for the new law in Illinois? Uh, I think the answer is yes, it would apply. And I think this is a time when you have to sit down and consider your business um, plans or what your policy is with the new law and decide what, if any, changes need to be made to comply and or to manage in a way that is affordable to you in the business. Yeah, I mean, realistically, what this what this means is most employers are going to re-examine the leave that they're already offering to employees, the paid time off, vacation, sick time. And what this is going to do is alter uh, how the leave is accrued and how, and very importantly, how employees can use it again on this intermittent basis. And so most employers who have uh, plans that, that uh, allow for time off for employees are gonna have to modify and adjust those plans. Employers, this is really targeted at forcing employers who don't offer any form of paid time off to offer paid time off. Uh, up to up to 40 uh, hours. And I see another question from, from Deborah out there. Uh, she's asking, will the paid time off for all workers in Illinois be in addition to all the paid time we already give employer, employees or in place of? We currently give 154 hours to first year employees. And what I would tell you, Deborah, is you're, you're, that's, that's a nice amount of time to first year employees and you'll have to take 40 of those 154 hours. Uh, you can either create a new bank of 40 hours in addition to the 154, or you can readjust your policy and take 40 of the 154 and put them into this new uh, bank. So you could, mo what most employers are probably going to do uh, is take hours out of the existing bank and separate that out into its own type of leave. All right. Uh, lots of questions here. There'll be more to come. I'm sure Bert would be agreeable to do uh, a little bit more on the program and we can focus on this specifically as we get closer to mid-year when it would be time to start developing your plans for the end of the year. Um, Nick, I'm going to call a quick audible if I can. Um, we're going to skip Philbert's form. I want to get to Jack right away. Can we kick off Jack's segment with a look at the poll question results, please? So the question was, when you hear process improvement, what is the first word that comes to mind? Jack, welcome to the program. You can see some of the comments here that uh, come to mind and we're happy to have you back and looking forward to having you at the leadership conference. I know you're gonna do a great job. You're spending uh, the day with us and I hear you're even visiting 
um, one of our members uh, that is in the aircraft manufacturing uh, business, um, um, Essex uh, here in town. They're a, a very historical business for us in the city and they do a great job and been a longtime mem member of ours. But Jack, when you see these comments, anything that comes to mind, efficiency seems to be the big uh, consistent one single word comment. I, I love that. And that, that's going to ring true, I think, for my, my whole keynote that I'm going to bring to the conference this May. Uh, what, one of the things that I love focusing on in the debrief with the hundreds of organizations and corporations that I've trained for the past 14 years is seeing that they see that it brings a, a true bit of transparency and buy-in from all the employees. And I think that it allows us to have some empathy for each other when we start admitting our mistakes as we go down this road with Top Gun's process of continual improvement. I saw that a couple of things before from the poll was that it was resistance from employees, lack of resources or inadequate technology. Well, the process I'm gonna teach all the attendees this May is doesn't take any of those. Yeah. Resistance from employees, they're gonna love it because it gives them more buy-in to the whole process. So I think we'll see some more engagement from all our employees as we have this teamwork together that we're all of trying to achieve the same goal or mission like we said last time and lack of resources or technologies that doesn't take anything when we do a quick and efficient debrief just straight from the de the declassified top gun chapter i think that uh i agree with you having been involved with lots of continuous improvement programs in the past whether they've been formal or informal in the workplace um it's usually not a resource issue can't if we say resource in the form of we got to take time, put it away, uh, put it to the side to solve problems. That's the resource that we're talking about. It's not necessarily funding resources always. And one of my favorite comments is from Henry Ford, his quote, that most people spend more time and energy going around problems than trying to solve them. I happen to align my, my, my way of thinking with that quote very easily because um, we see it all the time where we just keep doing the same thing or we're trying to go around it you know, but we're actually making it worse by not just trying to solve the problem. Um, so when, when you get into, when you hear a quote like that, where does your mind start to formulate for you as it relates to problem solving? Well, that's, I love that quote. Um, but my mind immediately goes to, of all the corporations and associations that I've spoken with or coached for the past 14 years, is a lot of them didn't have any sort of debrief because they didn't want to allocate that resource, like you said, the time to what's already happened. They were immediately focused on what's next. And when you do that, you're missing out on invaluable lessons learned, both good and bad that we can capitalize on as I teach this process of brief, execute, debrief, and then perfect. That's the thing I'm gonna, this wheel of continuous improvement. So by focusing on what's already happened and we can do it quickly and efficiently so we're not wasting that invaluable resource of time, we can do it as we go forward to perfect what we're doing as we keep going forward. Absolutely. So, Jack, th this is you here, right? That's me uh, a yeah. lifetime ago. With a I, mustache I like comes in red. You have your combat fighter pilot mustache going, um, and I know you, you don't. Are you going to grow that for the conference when you join us? Yeah, I'd have to start now. First of all, it's probably going to come in more gray <laughs> than red, like it did at the time. Good old yeah. red beard. Yeah, well, that's definitely a uh, Top Gun-looking photo. I mean, you could have been in Hollywood with that, but. Um, if you can tell us a little bit, like, 
so there you, you were there doing your job and helping defend our country and we're, and we're really proud of, of people like yourself who do that and very appreciative of it um, but then here you are now as a business professional tell us what it is that um, motivated you to found fight level solutions the, thanks for asking that we I spent so much time when I was leaving active duty in the Navy talking with a lot smarter friends than I was currently at the time. And they were trying to understand the process that I was teaching our young men and women that I was teaching how to fly and fight in the F-18. And they were saying a lot of the human factors that went into it, the non-aviation related skills that I was required to teach these young guys and gals, they said, that applies to what I do. And another friend would say, that applies to what I do. That applies to what I do. And I said, there might be something to this. And those skills that I'm talking about, we call them the uh, the soft skills of safety. And that just means it's not a technical skill, like wearing a hard hat or a yellow reflective vest. See, I hope that Monique is listening right now, because what this would, this would be a good example of what she's not capable of. All right, keep going. Yeah, sure. Human factors, right? This is nothing right. artificial. Uh, these skills are so critical that it's legally required for all of our fighter pilots, all U.S. fighter pilots required to get this training every year because these skills are perishable. So we have to have a refresher on them every year. Every U.S. airline pilot is required to receive this training and every U.S. astronaut is re required to receive this training. So I was thinking this is so applicable to anybody that's looking to minimize mistakes. The skills that I'm going to bring to the conference in May have nothing to do with aviation. It's just how we can perform better as a team. Yeah, excellent. And so that will lead into, and I know you'll talk about it, but maybe you can just kind of warm us up a little bit on the wingman mentality. That That's a great segue. The whole wingman mentality just involves the trust and confidence that I have with the guy or gal in the air, airplane next to me. Okay. So when I talk about trust and confidence in that wingman, sometimes they're a mile, a beam me, or a mile next to me, or they can be tucked in as close as 36 inches to my airplane. Oh my you have to have trust and confidence in your wingman. And well, Bert's my wingman, but I don't want him to be 36 inches to me. That's, you're invading my personal space there, Bert, particularly if we're flying F-18s in the sky at you know, 600 miles per hour, however fast they fly. I don't need, I, I prefer a mile. I, I was I was just going to say that, I mean, people need to think about that. That is a yardstick away from one another. And Jack, how, how fast are you all flying when you're that close to each other? Yeah. So we, we can fly as, as fast as, as the airplane's envelope allows. Like, like uh, Phil was saying that faster than the speed of sound or faster than Mach 1. Um, and it's crazy when you're flying that fast together, you hit the turbulence together. So everybody's bouncing together, but you have to have that wingman trust and confidence. And we, we call it when we're going to engage together, we have a wingman contract. And that means that I know and trust what you are going to do even before you do it, because we practice this and rehearse this so much through this process of brief, execute, debrief, perfect, that allows us to achieve peak human performance. Yeah, that's, that's super exciting. I can't wait to hear more about that. Um, and then I, I can see how that does apply to the workplace. I, I trust my team um, when I'm not able to be present, that they're going to do all the things that they need to do and some uh, to, you know, serve our members each and every day. And, and it kind of comes right down to that and how they're going to problem solve and, and maybe, you know, not move around the obstacle, but solve the obstacle back to Henry Ford's statement uh, in, in that case. 
Um, so, Jack, um, one other question is, what makes you different from any other fighter pilots that are currently on the professional speaking tour, like Tom Cruise? <laughs> That's a great question. Some of the things I'm going to bring to the conference this May is what I call combat lessons learned. And I'm the only fighter pilot currently on the speaking circuit that has actual combat time that I know of. So I'm going to relate some of the combat experiences that I had in the Middle East and bring those to the conference, sharing the lessons learned that I had from those combat lessons learned. Excellent. Yeah, I think that that's the difference maker for me, right? I mean, it's when a, a combat experienced fighter pilot is not something we run across every single day to understand, you know, the mentality that it takes, the wingman mentality, the continuous improvement efforts that occur after every single flight that occurs with the team to improve the process for next time. These are things that we do at work, sometimes unconsciously, and then sometimes they need to be polished and, and organized a little better than they are. Jack Becker is going to be with us at the leadership conference. He's going to tell us more about that. I also know he's going to stick around and be available for any one-on-one -on -one conversations with the team. I'm excited to have you with us, Jack. Is there anything else that you want to say before we uh, say goodbye to our listeners today? Just one, one thing that everybody's considering coming to the leadership conference, like you said, one of the things I'm most proud of is most of the feedback I get from all these companies that I've had the opportunity to keynote for is that they said it really boosts their ability to attract and retain top talent. Yeah. So I, I look forward to everybody learning from my process and taking this back to their places of work so they can do just that. Absolutely. And, and that today is a, is a huge challenge uh, for us with that. So Fantastic, Jack. Thank you Jack, for that. Hey, um, Jack, I, I, hope it, I hope it's never cliche, but uh, thank you again for your service. Yeah. Thank you absolutely. for saying that. It's my pleasure. Yeah, abs absolutely. All right. Well, thank Jack, you. we'll see you in May, and we'll see our listeners back here next week at 730 Central Time. Thank you for joining. Bye-bye. Thanks, Phil. Thank you once again for tuning in to This Week at Work. If you enjoy the show, please share it with your colleagues. Forward our invites. Share the link aimea.org forward slash this week at work or follow or subscribe wherever you get your news and entertainment like LinkedIn, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We're everywhere you are. And you can be part of the show. Send your questions and comments anytime to info at thisweek.work. We'll see you next week, 7.30 a.m. Central Time, when we discuss what's happening this week at work.